We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with little Stevie, Steve Ribeiro, on, and, jeez, uh, we're kind of getting inching, Steve, closer to training camp. We have some good stuff for you today. Uh, before we even get there, iTunes, folks, we could really, really use a five-star review over there. It helps us out. Subscribe on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android. We're on Player FM. We're almost everywhere. So please hook us up, subscribe, give us that five-star review. We have that contest that's been going on since I think Steve was born. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while, and nobody wants to give us those reviews. Uh, are we are we horrible, Steve? Are we bad? I don't think we're bad. I think. I, I, I... People have got to go out of their way for it, but we really would appreciate it, guys. Come no on. kidding. Jeez. Uh, Don't forget, too, on iebeatradio.com, it airs a show on Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Okay. All right. So we're getting down towards the end of our tour on the League Series, and we're actually taking a break with it. We got a hold of the SoCal Rams Booster Club. Their fearless leader, Ralph Valdez, came on to talk with us about the upcoming Rams Fest, talk about everything that's been going on with the Booster Club over the years. And we also want to get into a little bit of Rams football today, training camps around the corner. But before we get started, we want to thank one of our sponsors that makes our show possible, and that's Jim Hawk. He wrote an amazing book, Hollywood's Teen, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. This is where you want to go, folks, if you want to learn about the Rams' history with a bit of personal touch. 
The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. We all have those, want to have those great bonds our dad. Check out this work of love from Jim Hawk about his dad, John, about this team that played in this era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. They read about players like Norman Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Legs Hurst, Tom Fears, Les Richter, all about this team in the 1950s. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available in a hardback form and in electronic form. He told me a couple of days ago that it's going to be out in paperback sometime soon. I'm not sure when. But you can get these two forms on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Kindle, please. Also, you can find it on other at other booksellers on the internet. Folks, it's a solid book. I'm a book nut. Steve knows this. I read a ton. It's worth every penny for all Rams fans out there. It's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left, the fa- left behind. Check it out. Hollow's Team, Grit, Glamour, and 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. Man, Steve, I'm just having a ta- hard time with the words today. Hey, man, it happens. It's, we're recording pretty late. They just finished announcing the NFL Top 100 players, you know. Oh, it's been gosh. a long day. That's it. We're, we're, that's what we're worked up about, really. We're going to get into that. <laughs> but before we get there, folks, uh, we have a great conversation. Here it is with Ralph Valdez from the SoCal Rams Booster Club. All right, folks, I'm here with Ralph Valdez, the, the showrunner, man, the leader of the SoCal Rams Booster Club. Uh, we're glad to finally have him on. He has some big news for us in terms of what's going on with this fan fest out there. It's called Rams Fest, and we've never actually been there, but it looks like that's changing this year. Ralph, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for having me on. Well, we're glad to have you. So explain how all this happened. Like, when when did the, the, uh, the Booster Club start, and how did it start? Well, we started back in 2004, late in the season. Uh, my wife and I used to go visit another restaurant that had rap fans on there. And, uh, you know, they, uh, there wasn't that many. They had a place that had a lot of TVs, a lot of big screens. So one day we went down there and, uh, we're watching the Ram Gate. I told my wife, you know what? Uh, these people are not utilizing this place very well. I think I'd like to start my own booster club. And, uh, she said, uh, yeah, that's fine as long as you make it a family club. And I was okay with that. So I, uh, gathered my thoughts, some ideas, and I, I had a meeting with the manager of the, of the restaurant. It was called Camacho's at the time. And uh, we had a meeting. I went over some things. Uh, I told him uh, what we could do and for the restaurant and what he could do for us, and we came to agreement. So that following Monday, which was a, a Monday night game, we played against the Eagles, got some flyers out and, and talked to some people that there were Ram fans that wanted to be a part of it. And that first game, we were able to have uh, 75 people in the rain uh, come watch the game at the Camacho's. And then uh, the next week we played uh, Seattle, the last game of the season, and uh, we beat them. And we had about 250, 250 fans there. And then we played the, the, the wild card game the following Sunday, and uh, we ended up having about 350 people there. And so it just started going from there. Uh, we would give out uh, raffle tickets to create some energy. And then the last game versus uh, the Falcons where we lost the divisional game, uh, we had about over 450 Rams fans there, and uh, it was a great turnout. Everybody enjoyed it. It was something new. The, the energy was high. Uh, we gave out some great raffle stuff. Actually, I used to give out, I used to off, uh, put raffle stuff out of my own personal stuff just to keep the energy going. So we've been going ever since uh, 2004, and uh, uh, we continue to grow. We have over 600 members, and uh you know, everybody seems to enjoy our club and the things that we do, the things that we offer, and uh, I have no complaints. And now you guys have been active in the community. You've been active with different events. What are some of the things you guys do? Yeah, we also have a, 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 what we call, we have a site foundation called SoCal Rams Cares. Uh, well, what we do is uh, we try to be active, stay active within the community. Um, like during the Christmas season, we uh, collect, uh, you know, hygiene stuff, clothing, Blankets, beanies, gloves, socks from all of our members. Uh, we do a drive from about November to Christmas time. So the weekend before Christmas, what we do is we, we get together, we put all this stuff together in bags, uh, and we also make some food and we go the weekend before Christmas to the homeless area in Los Angeles and we uh, pass this stuff out. Uh, so we've already created a reputation amongst the homeless people out there. They, they expect us to be there. They look forward to seeing us. 
and uh, we pass out whatever we've collected, whether it be hygiene stuff, clothing, you know, a little bit of food that we gather. Uh, and aside from that, you know, that's an experience in itself. We always invite our, our members to come and join us to pass that stuff out, and, and it gets pretty emotional. Uh, we also do uh, fundraisers to collect money to help kids who are going to college with scholarship money, uh, money that we can help out with people who are sick, you know, with medicines. Uh, so anything and anything that we can do within the community, uh, we're more than willing to help. We've done um, uh, cancer walks before. Uh, we have our own team. So we, we've done quite a few things, and uh, we continue to try to do things and, uh, to create a better atmosphere of the community. And now, just a couple of weeks from now, you have a major event going on. It's become some, sort of an annual thing, Rams Fest. So tell us about it. What's the whole plan for it? Yeah, well, this will be our first annual Ram Fest. Uh, we've had... Yeah, this is our 15th year anniversary of being a booster club. We've always had a picnic, but uh, we four years ago we wanted to create something more bigger because we had you know, a lot of interest from a lot of different Ram fans, you know, not so much our members, but just Ram fans in general. So we wanted to come up with something that that created a buzz, that created something for all randomly. Uh You don't necessarily have to be a part of our booster club to be a part of this. It's open to all Ram fans and their families. So we decided to kind of expand it a little bit, and uh, we kind of grew the park that we were at in L.A., so we had to find a park that was big enough to hold all of our people. So we decided to go to this park in Chino, California, called Prado Park, and uh, we created this Ram Fest, uh, where it just allows us to be more open, uh, allows us to have more people at the park, and we just expanded our, our entertainment to live music, to DJs, to bounces for the kids. Uh, we expanded our vendors. We have vendors that sell Ram items, various Rams items. Uh, we bring in ex NFL Ram players, alumni to sign autographs. Uh, we've had, uh, Ram cheerleaders come, alumni and current Ram cheerleaders come and sign autographs. We've had Rampage or the mascot come. So we do a variety of things. We just have everybody come and have a good time. We have a horseshoe tournament. And, and it's just an opportunity for Ram fans who don't know each other to get to know each other. And we call it all rambling. And, you know, our motto is to always uh, have high integrity, class, respect for each other, and we take care of each other like a family, but that we call each other family. So, you know, we always look forward to seeing new people every year. We always look forward to seeing the people who've been there before. So uh, this is our 15th year anniversary, and uh, we look forward to having everybody there. Well, what's going to be there this year? Uh, what we have is uh, we have uh, eight alumni of Ram players, uh, from Harold Jackson to Brett Fairness to Tony Zadahas, Ivory Sully to uh, Robert Dalpino. Then we have uh, the last living member of the first enforcement, Rosie Greer, is going to show up this year. And then we have a current player for the first time ever in one of our fitness. We have uh, Samson Ekibom, outside linebacker for the L.A. Rams. Uh, he's going to be coming and make an appearance. And uh, so we're expecting, you know, a lot of people. Uh, we always average between uh, 1,500 to 3,000 people, and uh, if not more. And uh, we just look forward to having a good time with everybody, meeting some new people, and, and just, just enjoying ourselves that day. Okay, so you've got players, you've got, I believe you said the DJ, correct? The DJ? Yes, we have a DJ, yes. Yeah, merchandise, food. Right. What else is going to be there this year? Well, we have uh, we have you guys, Ram Talks, are going to come and do a podcast this year, and that's awesome. We get to interview some of the players and some of the Ram fans. Uh, we're also going to have a local radio station that's going to come and uh, do some promotional stuff. We have a live band that's going to be there that, that, that everybody likes. Uh, we're going to have, hopefully, the Ram Cheaters are going to come back this year. We have a guy uh, who's a big guy in our rap band. He's going to bring, he has a golf cart, a vintage golf cart that's all rammed out. He's going to come and bring it and display that golf cart. It's a beautiful golf cart. We have guys who have motorcycle, Ram motorcycles that's going to come and just hang out and show the motorcycle. You know, we look forward to having everybody. And it's our 15th anniversary. We sell T-shirts. We have our own raffle. And uh, just come out and have a great time. And it's open to all Ram fans and their families. Uh, there's $10 charge at the gate to park. Uh, we don't charge to come in, but the park charges $10. And uh, we just look forward to having a great time. It's going to be a great day, great weather. Can't ask for anything more. So, folks, just in case you missed it, yes, we are going to be there this time. We are. We have a sponsor who is generous enough to make sure it happens. The Rams Talk crew will be out there for the podcast to podcast from this great event. It's a great opportunity for us to meet some of you personally. So if you are a listener and have not been to this shindig yet, now's your chance to go out there and have some great food, meet some great people, and talk Rams football with us and all the other folks who are there. So this is a great opportunity uh, to kind of, like we're saying here, rambling. 
rambling. So, Ralph, now you personally, you've been following this team for how long now? I've been following the team since 1967. I was, what, seven years old. My grandfather took me to my first Ram game at the Coliseum. Once I saw those horns on the helmet, I was I was hooked. So I've always been a Ram fan since that day. And uh, through the good and bad, I've always followed my team, and, and I continue to follow the team from the day I move on. Now, in terms of favorite players, who's who's well, yours? Yeah, uh, well, you know, from the old days, my, owner, my favorite players was Marlon Olsen. I always loved to see him play because he was so consistent of what he did. He was dominating what he did. He was a great team leader. I kind of tried to play that way when I played football uh, in co- high school and college. And I always looked up to him. Jack Youngblood was another one that I really liked. Lawrence McCutcheon, teams from the 90s. You know, I, you know, I really liked, uh, you know, Jerome Bettis. I really wish he would have stayed, but he was good. And then, you know, we had the Super Bowl team with Kurt Warner on there. And, you know, all those guys, they were, they were great to watch. So, uh, you know, there's many memories, it's, it's, you know, from the 70s when we were in the playoffs. You know, seven, nine, four, seven consecutive years, nine consecutive years. We should have went to about three or four Super Bowls. We just couldn't get over the hump when we lost to either Minnesota or Dallas. So those were tough years, but they were great years because we, you know, we were always competitive, ready to go. Now, years later, we're starting to see this reemergence of the Rams again, and they're they're going big this year. How do you feel about this team, this year's team? You know, I liked all the moves that they've made, and I'm looking forward to attending uh, the games. You know, I'm a season ticket holder, and the only issue that I have that doesn't become an issue is the team uh, chemistry. Uh, you know, when you bring in a lot of superstars, it's kind of tough to kind of get that chemistry in the right spot. But I would hope that there's enough players on that team that would create that culture of, of wanting to win that Super Bowl because, you know, in, in professional football, the window doesn't stay open that long, and, and you got to take advantage of that open window to try to get that, that championship and leave uh, the way for a championship for so long, especially here in Los Angeles now that the team is back. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the team, see how they perform, and I think they're going to do well. Well, all right, so here we go. Prediction time. Where do you put this team this year? I would say, based on what they've done, they've created, everybody stay healthy. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if they finished 14-2, uh, 13-3. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I wouldn't expect anything less than that uh, if they do the right things, and I expect a, a good run in the playoffs, if not all the way to the Super Bowl. It's about that time, right? Been waiting. Yeah, I, I, would, I would think so. Yeah, their, their <laughs> window is wide open, and they, they think it's their time to take advantage of the window being open. It's been a long, long time now. It's been almost yeah. 20 years, and for LA fans, it's been since 1951 that they've seen uh, the Rams win a championship. I can't even think how many people were still alive. I mean, are alive and can remember that now. Yeah, you I mean, know, and it's and it's funny because in, in our booster club, we. Uh, we have a few uh, gentlemen that were around when the Rams were playing in the 50s. So our, our age group is, is wide and far from, like, we have people who are 80 years old to as young as, you know, 15, 16 years old. So, you know, it's always good to hear the stories about when they were growing up back in the 50s, 60s, watching the Ram games and, and listening to the radio or, or watching it once a week on, on TV whenever they're at Channel 2 or 11. Uh, so it's good to hear the stories of the older older Rams fans about how the team was back in the day. All right. So, again, give us information laid out for us. Rams Fest is going to be when, when, and when? Yeah, we have Rams Fest coming up Saturday, July 7th from 10 o'clock to uh, 5.30 at Prado Park in Prado Regional Park in Chino, California. Uh, it's off of Euclid, 16. 16- 700 uh, Euclid Avenue. It's a big park. Is there enough room for 10,000 people? We invite all you Ramley to come out and enjoy the time and get to meet new people. And, and, and what we all, like I said, we, we try to do is we try to create a big Ramley atmosphere uh, that we can all support each other and follow our team and be there to watch our team uh, be successful this year. Okay, and what's the cost besides the parking? I know that you have players there. There's a charge for that, right? Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we have uh, all those players, the alumni, plus the current ramp player, we are having the charge. We're going to charge $40, and that's a one-time fee to get all the autographs from all the players, even the current player. You can go on to ramfestsignings.brownbagtickets.com and buy your pre-purchase ticket on there for $40. Bucks. The, the autograph show is going to be signings. is going to be from 1 o'clock to 2.30, so it's going to be an hour and a half. So don't miss out on getting your tickets. We have a limited number of tickets uh, that we're selling because of how many people were there. 
don't miss out on that because that's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get Rosie Greer, who's the last living Pearson Force member. You got Sassam Ekibon, who's the current player. And then you have all the alumni players that have done great things while playing for the Rams. So you don't want to miss out on that opportunity to get those autographs. All right. So, Ralph, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it, and we'll be seeing you very soon. I look forward to seeing you guys. And uh, like everybody says, go Rams for life. Who's house, Rams house. And uh, remember, we're all rambling. <laughs> but we'll see you guys at the picnic on July 7th. Thank you. All right. So, Steve, what do you take from that conversation? I wish I lived closer so I could go to Rams Fest. That's what I took. Uh, Ralph, Ralph really seems like he's growing a great community there. And I'm excited to see what the Rams Talk team brings in their first live podcast, right? It's well. It's going to be live to a degree. I think we're going to have so many interviews going on out there. It's going to be hard for us to do. That's right, well, folks. You know what case, I mean. And folks, in case you didn't realize it in the interview, there he pointed out, we are going to be there. Norm and I are going to be there. Johnny will be there. Steve, he won't spirit. be there. Uh, in spirit, we'll be we'll be his spirit animal. So we're going to be there. We're going to talk with the players. We're going to to hang out with some of the fans. We're going to give folks a chance to win a T-shirt. Unless, you know, Johnny did some of their T-shirts, maybe put them on fire or something, I don't know. But find us out there. We'll have a table. We'll be ready to go. It'll be a great time for us. And there's a second announcement as well, and it's Steve's turn. Steve and Johnny, these guys have worked hard over the years. They have done the job. And they're also guys with a bit of a different perspective. They're younger. They're a little hipper. Um, they're also a little more funny looking. So what we're going to do is beginning here soon, in July, Steve and Johnny are getting their own show on the Rams Talk Network. They're still even figuring out the name, but it's coming soon. So pay attention, watch out, Steve and Johnny. You guys even have a name yet? No, and if any listeners have ideas for names, I personally would like to have a weird reference to some strange tidbit in Rams history, but we're we're workshopping a couple. We got some good ideas out there. We'll see. Uh, but when it comes out, it will have a name. But if you want to submit names for our podcast, feel free. But I am excited. Me and Johnny will have some good stuff for you. We have an interview recorded with an active Rams player that we will release when the first episode comes out, most likely. So like Derek said, look out for that in July, and we're excited to get that to you guys. So you have two groups here. Basically, what our goal is is to, to really push up the – the amount of podcasts we put out there is pretty good demand for them. And basically, let's just be honest, we love talking Rams football. So that doesn't mean that Steve and John will be will have their own show. They'll also be appearing on this show uh, here and there. Well, probably more than here and there because we we like having their perspective. So, you know, what's what? You're also the fantasy guy, so you have some plans for that show. What are some of your plans? Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little fantasy week by week. Uh, I also. Outside of Rams Talk, right for a website called rotoballer.com. You could check out a lot of fancy stuff there, and I'll be getting some of my guys on the show to talk about the preseason and probably throughout the season to get some updates on what's going on in that world. And obviously, I'll bring my own perspective. So that won't be the focus of the show, but we will definitely get some fantasy football takes on there as well. And just so everyone knows, it'll be on the same podcast feed as this show. So you won't have to look for us elsewhere, it'll be delivered to you in one. Nice feed. Yeah, we'll just label it Little Stevie Somebody. <laughs> yeah, Magic Johnny. I, I keep thinking we got to have a, you know, should there be a logo with, you know, Magic Mike, but it'd be Magic Johnny? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> just a thought. The name I mean, will come we, with the first podcast. You know, it, we, oh, gosh. I mean, is that all just, just cringing now, Magic Johnny? <laughs> Magic Johnny and Little Stevie. Have like an emblem of you guys on stage. In Rams gear. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The only the only question will be will be will be Rams gear that is St. Louis colors will be the old school uh, blue and white Rams colors the old school um, royal blue and yellow. Where do you go here? You know what? Wear? In the spirit of the 2017 Los Angeles Rams, the colors are going to be the classic blue from the blue and yellow jerseys. We're gonna have the St. Louis gold, and we're gonna throw in. Just for shits, we're going to throw in some green So because we don't like to match anymore. We're going to have four different color schemes going on at once. <laughs> it's like the, 
Rams run on grass. The Rams play on grass. Therefore, we're going to mix in some green. And look like beep. You know, look like. <laughs> All right. So there you go. And we have our sponsor room ahead. Steve's going to cover this one. Go, Steve. Of course. We're going to give a shout out to our first sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County and you like the classic barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. The area code is 92683. Sal Martinez opened his shop as a shrine of the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis, and he kept the lights on until they came home and continued to keep them on for the new Rams fans that are back in the area and the old as well. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 714-894-RAMS. 7267. Tell him we sent you. Use the promo code RAMSOCK so he knows that you came from us and he'll give you a nice discount on an already affordable haircut. Once again, the address is 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Give Sal call at 714-894-7267. A visit to a shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia, but then you get Sal. A great guy, good guy to talk Rams football with, and an even better barber. So Sal managed to make some of our staff look good, including Derek himself. I'm sure he could do it for you guys as well. All right, so we're also looking for sponsors for 2018. Uh, We're growing. We're growing quickly. Uh, We have a nice little core group of listeners here that continue to come back for more and more Rams talk. So, hey, if you want to be apartments with us, give us a email at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Voicemail us at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. It has all kinds of information about what we are, what we do, and there you go. Okay, so actually, we, we, we said it earlier, the site announcements, plans for the future. Folks, we also want to ask you for your feedback, okay? We want to add, we've been around, Steve, Steve, Steve's been here from the beginning. We've been around now. We're, right. we're entering... Our sixth season is, and um, we want your thoughts and opinions. We we started the podcast a couple of years ago. We kind of test drove it in 2016, went full mass in 2017. Our, we've actually backed off a bit on writing uh, to really focus on the podcast. We like we like to have more written content out there for you. But really, what do you guys want to see? So if you could, send us an email. Ramstalk1945 at gmail.com, or if you wish, you can reply to our Twitter posts for this or our Facebook posts for this when it comes up and comment there. But I really like an email from you because I will actually correspond with you. And what we want to do for 2018 is give you more of what you want as best we can. And in the past, I've put out, you know, different, I put out some surveys and a few people have responded and so on and so forth. But I just haven't got enough information. Steve, what's one thing you look forward to doing this year as a part of the staff and getting out there and covering the Rams? I think just talking about a little bit of everything. I think the podcast has opened up. And like you said, I appreciate that people actually tune in to listen to us talk. That is very, that means a lot because we are literally just talking about the Rams and people actually enjoy it. And that's probably the the coolest thing ever. I guess I'm just really looking forward to covering the team, seeing how they grow and when an idea hatches, that's when I like to get writing. So it's just fun to follow the team, and it's cool that we could talk about it and people will actually read our stuff and listen to us talk about the Rams. Well, this is only the second season out of six that we actually came into the season expecting a winning record. Yeah. And uh, that's interesting, too. We're actually expecting this team to be really good. Now, we've never had that. No, <laughs> we, we have never we, had that. We have never had that. So this is different for us. We're going to have to trying i'm not sure we're going to know what to do with ourselves sometimes this year we're so used to this team going the tank we didn't know half what we're doing last year's because we were so used to how do you react to this team winning and uh playing good football and and showing a great locker room we we spent the last five years pointing out every flaw on this team and then all of a sudden we gotta realize oh geez uh there's an issue here for us we gotta change the way we cover because they're covering we it doesn't make sense to analyze every negative when you have 45,000 new pauses about this team that uh, it just suddenly shows up. So it's, it was a fun year last year for us. I think it was a couple of times on the podcast, I almost started crying just because I <laughs> didn't know what to do with myself. I hadn't seen that team, a team this good since 2003. I think and you were I a watched, toddler. 
I watched the Rams in person drop 50 points in a blowout win. Like, I don't care who it was against. I never thought I would see that in my life. Do you think you're going to go this year? You see game this year? You know, I might try and go to the Bears game because I have a lot of friends from college in Chicago. So we'll see. That's Other than that, I don't think games in my area, unfortunately, this year. I saw well, them mixed- last two years, so I would play the Jets and then the Giants. So I got lucky. And that Jets game was a horrible game, too. I feel oh, bad it's the worst. Yeah. Me and my my friend, I went with the Jets fan. I think it was the worst football game we've ever seen, both of us. The only good play was Johnny Hecker had that 80-yard punt. That was literally the only good play of the entire game. I'm surprised you didn't write anything about that, just blowing <laughs> that game up. I'm I might really have to do a retrospective on that because that <laughs> that was horrifying. <laughs> the worst game you've ever seen in Rams history. It Unfortunately, was the most we have horizontal football I've ever seen, and it was Bryce Petty's first start, so they weren't letting him throw. It was Case Keenum's last start, so they I don't think they wanted him to really go out there and pulverize the Jets, so nobody was trying to do anything. It was the saddest offensive game I've ever seen. Well, what is the worst performance you've seen by a Rams team? Well, like the worst game overall? Just, it was well, definitely the 2016 season opener against San Francisco. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. That was that was the biggest stink. That game left the the worst taste in my mouth out of a Rams game in recent memory. 28 nothing, by the way, folks, in case some of you – I'm sure forgot because you wanted to. We're not going to let you. <laughs> and they're 20... terrible. It's not like we were expecting big things from the Rams. We kind of were, but we were not expecting to get killed by the 49ers opening week because they had horribly low expectations, even compared to us. Blaine Gabbert but, was the quarterback, right? Yeah, but it wasn't even that, too. It, wasn't, it was the fact that after the game, the 49ers defense was saying, we knew all their plays. We knew all their calls. And I just remember thinking, this is what we're putting out there this season. This is the offense. We're gonna, the 49ers defense were calling their calling our plays before there was even really a chance this game. And later on, you talk about calling a middle school offense, and we always put fun in it now. And it was really just one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. It was so inept. It was so poorly run, poorly coached. It surprises me even after that, the Rams started 3-1 and one that year. Yeah, that made no sense. Let's start. That start was such fool's gold, and I think we all knew it, but we were trying to get excited about it. And then, you know, I didn't expect the complete and utter collapse after that, but I definitely didn't expect playoffs. But that was fun while it lasted. What? We had an article on our site, didn't we? We had an article on our site that called that start fool's gold. Yeah, I think that was I forget Johnny. who it was. It was Johnny? And I yeah. think I think I wrote, not after we started 3-1, and one, I think I wrote one when we started 5-2, and two, where I was like, this one isn't fool's gold. Like, we're actually pretty good. And it's good to talk about those things, too. So let's flip it around. What is the best performance you've seen in Rams history? That Giants one was up there. Let me think. Uh, I really like the Saints game this year because they were a good team. It's hard It's hard to think because when they were actually good, I was a lot younger. What? What's yours? Because you've got a lot more history watching the Rams. Oh, well, there are a couple. There was a, a game years and years ago where the Rams put up, I think, 59 on Atlanta, but the one that sticks out to me is the 2001 NFC division playoff game. And in that game, that's the game where the Rams won 45-17, but it wasn't the offense that won it for them. It was the defense. They picked off Brett Farr six times in that game. That's the one that I remember the most. That's the one. And to this day, I wrote an article for Yahoo years ago where I made the, I actually made the argument that Brett Farr was was overrated. And what I based it off of was go into the, the some of the biggest games in history, in you know, a Packers history anyways, for involving Brett Farr. And more often than not, he wilted. He threw six interceptions against that Rams defense that day. And it was his his carelessness with the football it won him a lot of games, but it also got him in a lot of trouble. And to this day, how, where is he, I think, in uh, interceptions NFL history? Where is he now? He's first. He's a rich Except- man's Eli Manning. I'm just going to throw out that take, and I'm not going to elaborate on it. Ooh, I'm not, I'm not even going there. But I, I said I, rich I, man's. He's much better, but he's similar. There, well, there were many folks who had him ranked, I think, well, top five all time. I just can't do it because of his performance and – not all big games. Many, go back to the 2009 NFC Championship game between the Vikings and Saints. 
that throw at the goal line that basically ended the season for the Vikings. Now, of course, no one really knew at the time, but but his ankle was in horrible shape and needed surgery. But the overall for me is he was clutch sometimes because he was a gunslinger, but he was also dangerous sometimes because he was a gunslinger. And that's what I remember. That's And to me, that game, that 45-17 game with the Rams defense just – it was beautiful. I was only way I can say it was a beautiful performance. It really exposed – the flaws in Brett Favre's game. And we're going to get tons of emails and tweets on that assessment. But <laughs> Well, he's an all-time great. He's a first bat Hall of Famer. But I do agree that he is a tad overrated. He's kind of like Kobe Bryant in a way. And I don't think he was as good in football as Kobe was in basketball. But you're going to win or die by Kobe. And you're usually going to win. But when you die by Kobe, like, man, it's rough. Well, especially at the end of Kobe's career when his shot just wasn't the same as it used to be. Yeah, well, but... even in his prime, you know, he – He's the guy, if he's 0 for 28, he's not going to stop shooting. And Brett Favre was kind of the same way with his passes. He's going to make a lot of those crazy throws that he makes, but he's also going to, as we see in the history books, throw a lot of picks. And they're two all-time great players. And I think Kobe was more consistent. And this is probably kind of a knock on Kobe, but I guess not because they're two of the best to ever do it. But I do think both of them, and this might get a lot of slack, are slightly overrated in their historical value. Oh boy, you're gonna get some people lighting you up, man. He's an all time great. He's an all he's probably a top ten player of all time, but I still think he can be a tad overrated by a lot. But of well I'm, I'm gonna throw this at you, okay. I mean let's go ahead since you're you know you're you're an NBA guy too, and I love the NBA, but not like you do. Um let's throw Kobe out there. Game seven, NBA finals, one second left in the clock, you're down by you're down by two. Compare that to last drive in the Super Bowl Packers versus Patriots. Who do you trust more to win you a game, Brett Favre or Kobe Bryant? I definitely trust Kobe a lot more. There you go. Yeah, it's not even, it's not even close. But there it's you also go. one that, shot compared to, well, I guess even if it was one throw, I'd probably still go Kobe. But we well, are being a little harsh on Brett Favre. Okay, well, he made a but, lot but, of clutch throws. Okay, 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 fine, fine, fine. I'll, I'll make it more specific, okay? It's, you're down by two Lakers, game seven, you know, it's Laker ball, one second left the clock, versus Brett Farr on the 10-yard line, fourth and goal, last throw. Who are you, who you trust more? I'm still going Kobe. Because I it's think one clock. of Kobe's biggest strengths was his killer instinct. And at time when he was off, like I said, that would not bode well for the team. But he's he was a killer, and he, he's a guy I would trust more than maybe anyone but Jordan to hit one shot for me. And there was also one more thing, too, that kind of bugged me about Brett's career. And, and guys, this is not a Be Up on Brett podcast, trust me. But since we're on this and we're talking a little football here, him giving up Michael Strahan's record-breaking sack, the way he gave it up, bothered me. I wouldn't have gave up that sack. He he rolled to the right and just went down. I yeah, that was bold. That was a bold play. I, I don't feel as strongly about that as you do, but I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I mean, I would, I would, you know, that record stood for a long time, and I just wouldn't want to, I don't want to see records go like that. I, mean, I just, <laughs> you know. You know maybe he knew where Michael Strahan's career was going, and he just wanted the lifetime invite to the Today Show. <laughs> maybe. Okay, folks, it's... Just about summertime in Southern California, which means sun, hot weather. Matt, hey, it is summertime. It's now June 25th, so we're in summer. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, check out Jayhawk Pool Plastering Modeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool Plastering Modeling serves Orange County and the Southland, and they're run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk. He built this business on a mantra of fantastic results an amazing customer service. So just head on over to jayhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality of their finishes and the testimonies provided by past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, you have Jayhawk call at 714-695-0700. Again, that's 714-695-0700. You can also email them at info at jayhawkpools.com. Folks, it's a great opportunity to support our podcast and help fellow members of the Rams family. If you live out in the area, give Jayhawk Pool Plastering a call. I'll be glad you did. Okay, so by the way, folks, if you can really go out there and help out these sponsors, they, they keep us running. And 
they're all part of the Rams family, so give them a shot. Okay. And they're all good so, at what they do, that's for sure. They are good at what they do. We're getting a little bit of Rams business here. Uh, let's hope this podcast doesn't run too long because we could talk forever on this. Now, the top 100 is finished. The top 100 is finished. It goes the Rams in the top 100. It's pretty good. The Rams have, what, is it seven? Seven Rams? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Out of the top 100, when there's 32 teams, it's not too shabby. Andrew Whitworth at 87, Marcus Pierce at 79, Ndamukong at 61, Keith Tlaib at 53, Goff at 38. Now, the last two, Steve, you want to finish this off because I know you're you're just ready to roll on this. <laughs> Aaron Donald, 7th, and Todd Gurley, 6th. Now, we'll redo the top five. Five was Le'Veon Bell, four was Julio Jones, three was Carson Wentz, two was Antonio Brown, one was Tom Brady. So, they're clearly valuing offense one defense here, which is why Aaron Donald, the top-ranked defensive player, falls at seven. I personally would I would at least have him three, I'd say. I mean, A.B. and Brady, I'd probably have him one personally, but we're a little biased. Uh, I could live with A.B. and Brady being one, too. But, I mean, I'd have him ahead of Gurley. And in turn, I guess I'd probably have him ahead of Bell, too. I would. Yeah. But it's, it's, you I, I can tell what they value with this list. There's only two defensive players in the top ten. Von Miller was number nine. So it's it's more of an offense over defense thing, which is why Aaron Donald was seventh. And I know it's going to bother a lot of us, myself included, but you gotta at least we got to know the context here. Yeah, I would still say I disagree strongly. Totally. I, you know, I love Todd Gurley. The guy's he's amazing. He's, he does a great job in this offense. He definitely deserves to be top 10. That said, which player dominates a game more overall? Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, or Aaron Donald, Le'Veon Bell? Who can control more? It's got to be Donald. He's the most dominant player on his side of the ball in the league right now. Hands down. Hands down. He can control a game by himself. Gurley and Le'Veon Bell need blockers. They need a proper scheme. They, of course, they need their abilities as well, but there's three different factors there at least. Aaron Donald, by himself, can, can destroy def- you know, destroy offensive lines. He can totally change a game. And that's my real problem with this whole top 100 is it's, it's not accurate. I mean, I know it's subjective, but how are you going to make that case to me just based on the direct impact and factors alone that Gurley and Le'Veon Bell are ranked higher than Donald? Yeah, well, it's football's the hardest sport to rank players against each other. It's like there's no kickers and punters on this list, top 100 players. Should there be? I don't know. It, like it's hard to say because it's so hard to rank like a quarterback versus a cornerback in terms of how much value they bring. The quarterbacks are the most valuable players on the team for sure, but are they the best? You know, can you really rank two quarterbacks in the top three? It's it's really just tough to say with these, and I think. Yeah, I would definitely have Donald higher, but they're valuing offense here. But I do – I would have him over Bell and Gurley for sure, and I'm kind of surprised that he wasn't number five and was number seven. But I get why what they're thinking with Julio, Wentz, Brown, and Brady. Even though I disagree with it, I, I understand. I will say, though, they're valuing quarterbacks a lot because Goff at 38 was very surprising to me. But to put it in context, Case Keenum was 51. So they got a lot of quarterbacks on this list. But even Carson Wentz, no offense to him and the Eagles fans out there, didn't even play the whole season. I'm not sure how you could rank him that high when he did not play a whole season last year. And that's how you're rating these guys is a full season of work. He didn't play the whole season. Yeah, but okay. What did he miss? Like three games in the regular season? Uh, Donald and Todd Gurley missed one. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is number 10. Which well, Aaron Dahl missed two. One right. was the yeah, holdout, right. and the other was the fact they pulled him out. But he was out with injury. I don't know. I I get your point. I just don't know that you could rank him that high already in his career overall, let alone based off a season where he tore his ACL. He, won, though he played 13 games, and if he played the whole year, he probably would have won MVP. So I think it's telling. I think – I. In the case of Donald, I'd probably put him ahead of Wentz, but overall on the list, I think him being that high is fine because he was playing out of his mind. And like we mentioned about quarterbacks, they're clearly valued more here. 
So I think he missed three games. He got docked accordingly. I mean, Donald only played 14. So I, I don't think it's fair to say he shouldn't be this high for that reason. Okay, so that actually, that is one of the questions we got for our mailbag tonight was from uh, M1K3Murphy13. He asked, who the bleep bleep do they let vote for top 10 players to get Aaron Donald at seventh overall? Um, my reply is, I don't know. I would think possibly the local crackhead, but maybe I'm being too harsh. I'm trying to remember who votes. Uh, I, I think, think the players, players vote, yeah, man. Players. I think the players vote, which surprises me then, because I would think more defensive players would be in the top, you know, in the top 100, especially the top 10. But I think it's players to vote. I'm not sure. Give us time, Mike. We'll look it up, and uh, we'll get back to you to see who actually who actually votes. But I'm pretty sure it's the players. Yeah, I believe it's players. And I think this is a lot that Goff was 38 if this is players voting. I think this is a lot about him for going from a very bad rookie year to a very good sophomore year, and he's already that high. I mean, he's one spot behind Joey Bosa, which that's that's a whole other story, but I, I, say, I think it says a lot about how the players feel about him. Okay, another question we got here, and I'm saving your fancy football question for last. Yeah. We'll, we'll take that right into your commentary here. Uh, this is from Michael Southern at, yeah, I love this name, man, at 48 Horse Turd. Hmm. Okay. So are they still pissed about getting their bleep bleep whooped by the Falcons? Well, I haven't talked to a player to ask, I, but I would think they are. You got to be. Yeah, you got to be. But at the same time, you got to be proud of your season. Uh, as many know, I'm a Sixers fan, and we just got our ass whooped by the Celtics, which was pretty embarrassing and probably worse than that Falcons loss. But – for the Rams and the Sixers, but more for the Rams, they had a hell of a season. They shattered expectations. It was a tough playoff loss, but the Falcons were in the Super Bowl last year. And if Farrell Cooper, a guy who's part of her future, doesn't make two bad plays, that game could be a different story. It's a play. It normally doesn't come down to one or two plays, but those two plays really changes the game. I'm sure Cooper has been kicking himself since that happened. And I think they're going to come out rejuvenated. So while they're definitely upset about the loss, I can't imagine they're not. You got to be proud of what they did. They had a great but, season. But isn't that precisely why you beat Tick? Because it really comes down to just a couple of plays and things turn, and that was it. Yeah, by an All Pro, nonetheless. So it's yeah. not you can't even be like we got to get this guy off the team. Like he is a very big part of the team, and it sucks that he was the one that made those plays. But it, yeah, you got it's got to piss you off. But you got to move on. You got to come out rejuvenated. You can't can't dwell dwell on it too much, but also you should use it as motivation. All right, this is from Jedi Rams fan. He asks, "Who are your starting linebackers this year?" Oh, goody! I'm gonna let you. You want to go? No, you You're gonna let me that. take it first? Yeah, man. <laughs> um, well, I expected, and I was wrong. When I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. I expected Michael Barron to get cut. He wasn't, so Mark I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna huh. Yeah, I don't know. Why did I say Michael Barron? <laughs> what, what is – you know, I just had two Michaels in front of me on Twitter here. That must be why. I, That's Mark, how out on Mark Barron you are that you don't even want to say his name. Oh, yeah. You're so oh, mad he's still on the team. Mark, if you happen to be listening, did not mean it that way at all. I wonder if any Rams fans actually do listen to our show. Rams players? Rams, sorry, Rams players. We know Rams fans. Rams yeah. players. Don't worry. Eh, you never know. You know we'll be curious. Hey – if you happen to listen to our show, Rams players, and you're listening now, just kind of maybe like this post on Twitter so we know you did it. <laughs> or I come on the show and debate uh, yeah. and say bad things about you or good things, whatever. Okay, so Mark Mark Barron, he, he's got to be the starter. They're going to keep him. He actually, His numbers actually stack up much better than we thought they did against the run last year. I think Michael Kaiser, Samson Ekman. And Matt Longacre is back. And if he's healthy, he had surgery last December. I think he's the guy. If Oko Ronquo gets healthy, though, it wouldn't surprise me to see him slotted in there. Steve, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree on Mark Barron for sure. And I would go with Ramick Wilson just because I think it's a little too early to slot in Kaiser, although I do like him. And I think I'd go the same for the outside linebackers. I go with Samson Ibukam. 
who's really the only lock here, and Matt Longacre. But I think Okoronkwo and Kaiser definitely have the potential to sneak in there. And I do think there still is a chance that Mark Barron gets cut. And I think that would depend on what they do with Aaron Donald. I could see them having to cut him to make up the cap space to keep Donald. Now that he's on the team this late, I feel like it's more likely that he'll be on the team. But there's no point of cutting him to make that room when you don't have the deal in place with Donald. So that that could be something where they're waiting for Donald to give the okay and then they might cut him just because they have to clear up cap space if they want to give Donald what he wants. And they got to go Bukem, Barron, Wilson, and Longacre with the potential for Kaiser or Okoronkwo to take either Wilson or Longacre's spot or Barron if he ends up getting cut if they have a good camp, which I could see because for fifth-round picks, those guys are really good prospects. But we have to remember that they're fifth-round picks, and we no one should be penciling in a fifth-round pick to be the starter. But I like Kaiser a lot. I like Algaronko a lot. I could yeah, well, see both of them starting week one. But uh, I would lean towards Wilson and Longacre. I'm penciling him in, dude. I'm are, going. Man. I'm saying Mike Kai. I'm telling you Mike Kai's going to start this year. Okay. From Justin Orisic. He's one of our regulars. What kind of progress do you guys see Goff making this year? I see McVay dialing back to the headset audibles because teams will adapt. And hopefully Goff's absorbed enough to call audibles and read through more progressions. Go for it, Steve. I think we could see a dip numbers-wise for both him and Todd Gurley because of just how crazy they were last year. But I do think we won't see a dip in Goff's production in terms of actual football and not numbers because I expect him to get a little sharper. The turnaround he made between his first years and, and his second season under McVay, he showed some promise his first season, but he was wild last year. You could say that while well, defenses didn't have enough time to adjust to the tape of him, he was great from week one to week 16. He was very good in every game. And by the end of the season, if there was really an adjustment period, the adjustments would have been made like they were to Todd Gurley in his rookie year. So I think that we'll see him sharpen up. We'll see him kind of tone down his mistakes. I think the big thing that he needed to fix from last season was he eyeballed receivers a lot and he failed to look off guys at times. And I think we will, I think that's something I expect him to work on and I hope he has. And I think, that will be addressed. I think he'll just. I think he'll look like a sharper quarterback this season. Okay, so there are two factors that really kind of concern me. A, this schedule is one of the more difficult schedules in the league. I think it's ranked number four, three or four most difficult. It's a tough schedule, and I think also because we're going to see Goff open up more, we're going to see McVay showing more faith in him. I think we're going to see overall it means he's going to take more risks, and more risks will mean more rewards. And more interceptions. So I think we'll see more progression from him, but his numbers may or may not show that just because of who they're playing and because of changes in his development. So that's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, and I think just having the kind of pressure lifted, obviously there's going to be a lot of pressure because there's a lot of pressure on the teams. But I think just now that he's proven he's an NFL quarterback, I think he, like you said, he will take some more risks because his – He's not going to have a leash. Last year, he didn't really have a leash either, but I would say it was on, but it was very loose. He has no leash this year. He's Unless he comes out and is absolutely god-awful and atrocious, He's gonna he has no chance of seeing the pine. And if he forms that rapport with Brandon Cooks, it's on. It's looking good so far. We've seen a it's lot on. of preseason tape against not really any defenders or practice defenders, but you got to like what you see. All right, and our last question here, this is from Skylar Burkhart. And by the way, Skylar has a pretty neat podcast himself. Uh, top five fantasy football Rams players this year, rank them one to five. I'm, well, gonna, I'm not even going to answer this one because <laughs> it's it's been a while for me in fantasy football. I'm going to take it right to you, Steve. We're one through five. Well, number one is Todd Gurley. Uh, I don't really need to elaborate on that. We could have another discussion about how high Todd Gurley should be picked either on this podcast or another podcast. And if you want to go a little in-depth on that, I wrote an article on the website about Todd Gurley and if he should be the number one pick. Because anyone listening to this podcast will probably pick him number one. We're all a little bit of homers here. So when the guy's in the conversation, he's probably going to go number one. Should he be number one? I think there's a strong case for it. And there's a 
couple other guys I would be okay with taking over him, but I'm probably taking him number one. Number two, in terms of the Rams, it's got to be Brandon Cooks. He's had, He had 1,000 yards last year with Tom Brady, even though it didn't really feel like the rapport was that great between the two. And he still put up good numbers. I think he's not going to be Sammy Watkins-esque in terms of his value because I do think this offseason will really help him pump his numbers up now because he's going to be in there taking a lot of the yardage and the receptions unless the Rams offense as a whole increases by a lot of yards that might take a knock on the production for the other two guys and I do think there is a case for Robert Woods over Cooks I think they're close and I think it wouldn't shock me if Woods ended the season with the best numbers on the Rams but I think just the talent wise you have to take Brandon Cooks over Robert Woods and I think even if Robert Woods repeats his production as he did last year, it's going to be a nice pick in the probably fifth or sixth round range. I think if you get him anywhere after the sixth, you're going to be thrilled about it. If you're taking him in the fourth or fifth, it's tough because Cooks is looming there. But I do think that Cooks is number two, and I think Woods is number three. And number four, I think it's still Cooper Cup. He's a guy I'm a little worried about in terms of his numbers because of what I just mentioned with Woods and with Cooks. There's only one ball. Todd Gurley is going to be getting a bulk of the touches. Cooks is going to demand the ball a lot, rightfully so. Woods is going to get his. There's tight ends looming. You never know if Gerald Everett is going to become a major factor in this offense. But I do think Cup will be fine. I'm not sure how that's going to translate into fantasy production. He is a guy who I wouldn't be shocked like anyone on this list if they increase their numbers this year because he's only played one season but right now I kind of like him in the eighth ninth round range I'd have to really look into it but if I'm getting him in the ninth I'm definitely okay with it number five there's really only two assets the Rams have left well three there's Goff Zerline and the defense now you in my opinion on fantasy you shouldn't take a defense before the last three rounds you shouldn't take a kicker until the last round maybe the second to last round if you're picking later and you want to get a guy like Zerline who's going to kill it one of one of the best fantasy players in the league last year by the way Greg Greg the leg fifth I'm going Goff and I really like where he's going in his ADP right now he's not really being drafted as a top 10 quarterback and I think if you're going to wait on quarterbacks which is a strategy I advise He's a guy I like going later. I'm I'm fine in a 12-team league rolling with Goff as my quarterback if I got him in like the 10th round or around that range when the bottom of the QB1 quarterbacks are going. So my top five would be Gurley, Cooks, Woods, Cup, and Goff. And I think there is some room to play around with Cooks and Woods and maybe even Cup, depending on how you feel. All right, we'll have more talk on fantasy in, in later podcasts. The truth of the matter is, is... It's been a long night. So let's, let's go ahead and, and finish this wall, this off. By the way, we have coming up the last two episodes of our tour around the league. And then uh, in just a week and a half, we'll be back with our normal programming, which could be scary in some cases. So <laughs> And uh, my new show with Johnny. It's coming. It's coming. So don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can friend me on Facebook. Heck, why not? Screw it. Steve, too, if, you, if he lets you. If you really um, want to, go for it. <laughs> you can find me on, me on Twitter, under. of course, at Steve yep. Ribeiro. That's where I'll be talking with the people. And also me on Twitter as well, at DC Apollo. Don't forget it's iTunes, folks. We really appreciate it. It's, it means a lot to us to receive the support we have received. We put a lot of time and effort into putting this podcast together. Even though some days we're, we're human and we're a little bit off our game, but we put a lot of work into it. We have some great interviews coming up for you, some some big-name interviews. And I've been lying to you here. Steve knows who they are. Are they big names? They're big names, yeah. I'm excited for it. It's worth it. Subscribe, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play. We're all over the place. <sighs> for Steve Ribeiro, this is Derek C. Apollo. Take it easy. Mark Baldrew, if you're listening, come on the show. <laughs> And that's a wrap. (laughs) You need to leave that in. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. 
No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.